Hey, everybody. It is Saturday, throwing you a curveball this week. Saturday, September 16th, 2023, and you are listening to episode 28 of Black Box Signal. I am your host, back once again this week. Thank you for having me back, uh, Chase Johnson. And Dustin is out on assignment this week, so I went and finally got him. I've talked about him a lot on a few episodes, but uh, finally got him to grace us with his presence. Great friend, great friend of the show, Zach Ross. How's it going, man? It's going all right. I hope I'm not setting everyone up for disappointment. Uh, never. That's that's my job as as right. the guy as the the captain of this rickety ship. Um, yeah. So uh, what what's been going what's been going on with you? You said you've been you, before we got on the show. You said you've been falling down a more of a weeb rabbit hole lately. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, th- I I live in the weeb rabbit hole. We'll be real, but uh, um, I'm sure any other uh, Bleach fans would probably share my feelings on. Um, kind of getting pulled back into the show, especially now more than ever, because uh, as, as everyone's been talking about lately, um, uh, the gotcha game Bleach Brave Souls finally hit 8 million uh, installs. So obviously that is the thing to be <laughs> watching out for in this moment. Right, right, right. Um, I don't even know what Thousand Year Blood War is supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I have not watched Bleach since it, since, well, we were in high school still yeah um, no um i don't even know what the hell is so, going on in it anymore well uh so thousand year blood war uh they finally started airing that late last year and i believe we're getting to the end of the second core of episodes um i've not had a chance to even start watching this current one though um but no things are picking up and it's it's uh if you if you remember the char- uh, character uh, Uruyu, um, oh yeah, his, his whole thing was he was a Quincy and he uses the uh, bow and arrow. And now at the end of all things, there is a great war between the Soul Reapers and the Quincys again. So that's what all nice. this is about. And... Team Quincys. Um, no. <laughs> um, traitor. <laughs> um, I have been uh. Well, I, I kind of told you about this, but I finished. I wrapped up. I actually finished it now. I, I wrapped up a uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Witch of Mercury. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that was really good. Um, might be my favorite AU since Double O. Um, okay. I Double O still holds a, a really special place in my heart. Yours too, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I definitely like this one even better than Iron Blooded Orphans. Um. That is high praise because I, I really, really enjoyed Iron Blooded Orphans. Yeah, which is funny because a lot of people, I guess, didn't. Um, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, fans are fans. Um, you see, Universal Century is still my number one, still number one with a bullet for me. But I mean, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's tough for me to say like, UC is ever going to be my favorite when G Gundam exists. So we're not going to go there. <laughs> 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 I know you're just doing that to hurt me. And, Cut the stream. Uh, <laughs> we're yep, done yep, here. We're done. And that was the episode, guys. Uh, come back. To... <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So the next thing I'm getting into, I'm uh, I'm finally catching up on Demon Slayer. Um, okay. Yeah. 
I've only watched the first season and I am now on, I watched the first episode of the Mugen Train arc. Um, okay, today, yeah. I actually watched for a good today. time. Yeah. Um, uh, how's Vi liking that one? She's not watching that one with me. Okay. <laughs> you know, honestly, probably for the best. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Great. We, we watched the rest of My Hero that they have dubbed so far. And she didn't even watch the rest of it with me. So I don't know if she's starting to check out a little bit or I don't know. Um, but someday she'll watch. She's got a couple Demon Slayer shirts because she just likes everything that I like. Um, yeah. So um, hopefully when she's a little bit older, you know, I'll I'll introduce her to Tandro and crew. Um, yeah. And then me and Shauna are still chipping away at JJK. Um, still on the first season. Um, um, so Tori and I actually are still trying to, uh, get our way through there. Uh, we actually just watched another episode before I joined up for this. Um, we're very, we're still very early on in the first season, so. We are, I think we, our next episode is like 11 or 12. It was about where we're at. Um. I want to say that's a couple episodes past where we're at. We just got introduced to the character Nanami. Okay, yeah. So. Um. So, yeah, and Shauna is never, you know, notoriously has never really been a big anime person. Um, So I've just been, you know, I hold the theory that there's an anime for everyone because there's so many different genres and subgenres. Um, I first got her into Promise Neverland. Um, okay. And she liked that to a degree. Um, And then uh, got her into JJK. And she's liking JJK. The thing with her, though, in anime is, like, because we have kids and they're tiring, we get through, like, one episode and then she's, like, tired. She's yeah. like, I don't know what it is about anime, but even when, like, it's not boring, I get tired during it. So we only usually get, like, an episode in um, when we do get it in. Um, I was going to say, if you want, like, a nice, just, like, just a chill, kind of cute show, um... Uh, I don't know if you guys have taken a chance to uh, watch Spy X Family, but that one's a really good one. No, I haven't. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend uh, Spy X Family. It's really cute. Um, or uh, My Dress Up Darling is actually a surprisingly cute uh, <laughs> show. It might be, a, I don't know, some of the uh, uh, themes might be a little too, like... Um, really, just skirting that line between like I don't know if this is fully uh, like appropriate for you know kids to be around watching, but like it, it it's just a cute little like uh, romance show. Yeah, Shauna actually likes the because the one thing that she liked Promise Neverland, but the one thing that she likes about JJK right now is all the action. Mm -hmm. So this is like the first one. This is the first one that I would say is like a traditional ass, traditional anime for her. Cause I mean, everybody in Promise Neverland has like very English names. Um, and the story is pretty, I guess you could say it's, it's, it, it's got a little bit more Western influence in it. Yeah. Um, where JJK is like, let, let's be real. It's, it's an anime ass anime. Um, yeah. and she's actually liking it more than promised neverland so i'm like oh so maybe you like the action pack stuff well you um, know if you guys really like jjk you can just like fully kick her off into the deep end it's like we're watching bleach now <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's bleach and then dustin has been begging me co-host uh who's here normally he's been begging me to finally get into one piece 
Um, so that's actually what I want to talk about a little bit too. Okay, let's go. Let's go for it. Um, because I I think One Piece is neat. I have the exact same thing to say about One Piece as anyone else on the internet. <laughs> so, which is just I'm, watch One Piece. <laughs> uh, no, I'm an adult and I have limited time in my life that is Thank quickly you. running out. Thank you. <laughs> So I chose to just read the manga because that feels more respectful to my time than anything else. Right. But even right. then, um, no, I, I think I think One Piece is a uh, uh, it's got a lot of really cool stuff, and I love talking to people that are like honestly, I am I am envious of people that are current with One Piece. Dustin, because, the way like, the way that he talks about One Piece is kind of like the way that I talk about Near. Like that's how much he like, and he was like never that into it but then like just this past like year or so he got like super into it and he's like all caught up with the dub um yeah he he loves it and it's just like yeah it it is it is a story that like so this is all going to be lead into the fact of me and tori went and binged through all of the live action on netflix last week okay or and yeah it was it was it was just fun like they, they managed to actually like I went through and like counted it because I was curious at the end. And, like, yeah, they ended up condensing forty-five episodes of the anime into eight episodes on Netflix. And like, sure, they're they're about like, you know, a little over an hour and a half each. But still, that is that is a lot of content that they were able to get through, and they were able to do so in a way that was engaging, and it felt like everything connected well enough to each other and like they had to take some liberties with the plot uh right uh, a couple characters and like themes uh kind of didn't make it past the uh, cutting room floor like it's 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 unfortunate to uh note that but like again it it's not like it it's not like one piece is difficult to get a hold of as far as trying to read or watch right it's just there's just so much of that shit front-loaded it's a commi- <laughs> it's a commitment um <laughs> My bu- uh, so my buddy uh, David, he after we got done watching the uh, live action, was very insistent of like, yeah, if you want to like, by far one of the best like early arcs of One Piece is the Ennis Lobby, mm-hmm. um, deals a lot with the uh, character of Nico Robin, who isn't actually introduced in the live a- live action show yet. I'm hoping it does get a second season because it should get to probably the Alabasta stuff should include her. Or if, if if they get to Alabasta, which I'm pretty sure they will be, uh, that's the next big big arc after what they hit in the uh, uh, Netflix show. Uh, Nico Robin should be introduced there. But in any case, um, I've watched Ennis Lobby like just in a vacuum on its own, and yeah, it is a very it is it is the arc that made it, uh, made me realize like yeah, I actually do care about One Piece. This is this is just kind of fun and neat. Yeah, and that is. Still, Your like <laughs> forty five. It's still forty five episodes of dealing with One Piece backtracking, like you know, every five minutes, and to fully understand everything going on. It it really does help to watch the arc that immediately preceded it, that actually leads up into it, which was <laughs> another thirty episodes. Right. Like, I remember just like trying to explain this all at the Tori. She's like, I don't think I want to do that right now. <laughs> right. That's yeah. You know, uh, when we were in high school, we had that whole, uh, 
you know, ninjas versus pirates thing. And uh, that made me write off One Piece as a kid. Oh, yeah. Because I was Team Ninja, and I, I know you were too. But now that I'm oh, an yeah. adult and my personal politics, um, Dustin was like, I'm surprised you're not into One Piece. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe someday I'll give it a shot when also, I catch up on everything else. Also, fun like blast from the past and everything. I did manage to find my friggin' headband from forever ago. So, oh yeah, I have mine packed away, and then I have my uh my funny one that's in my profile picture on Twitter. The uh, yeah, the rogue ninja American flag one. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that one's definitely become my favorite. Um, the the important one. <laughs> yeah, it's not as high as quality because it's plastic instead of metal. But hey, you know. Oh, I didn't know that, but yeah, cool. it still works. You know. Um, but with that, uh, do you want to get into video games? I suppose it is, makes sense for us to get into video games. Well, then let's do it. All right. All right. Um, so what have you been playing? I guess usually it's what have you been playing this week, but you, this is your first time on the show. So we'll just kick it over to what have you been playing lately? Okay. So I I made the joke about it earlier and yes, I have been... Falling back into the gotcha game rabbit hole that is Bleach lately, but on top of that, I still have been dipping my toes back into Genshin. With um, I'm not current with the storyline in Genshin, but uh, my fiance Tori is. Uh, so I've been watching a little bit of her playing through the uh, newest region that came out like this past, like I think just the beginning of this month was Fontaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, uh, very French. Uh, uh, inspired as far as like a region goes um, but it has a lot of aqueducts and lakes and everything like that it's a very honestly it's a very cool looking region um, but I'm also excited because the storyline of this one seems to deal with so like every region in Genshin has a archon or a god that is like kind of has dominion over that country right uh, in the beginning it was uh, Venti uh sorry spoilers for anyone starting uh gotcha game that's came out like what three years ago now but yeah uh <laughs> the air region ha- um was lo- lorded over by the archon of freedom after that it was uh the archon of contracts and uh commerce uh who was the earth one the raiden shogun was the Archon of Eternity, and then it went to the Archon of Wisdom, which was the plant, they call it Dendro in the uh, in-game. And then finally we're into the water area, and that is being lorded over by the Archon of Justice. So everything's supposed to be very, like, not so much, uh, uh, like, Captain America style, like, going out and do gooding. It's more, like, law and like court battles and everything okay and the plot of it so far has moved into effectively you're trying to defend another character in a case almost phoenix Wright style and you know i was about to say phoenix right (laughs) i was like (laughs) yup so i'm invested in that i just have to get to it my own uh save but whatever we'll 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 burn that bridge when we cross it um (laughs) Also, because of uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about it uh, a little bit about it later. I miss the state of play 
but uh-huh. I do know one of the things that came out from it is that Tales of Arise is getting uh, story DLC uh, yep. soon. And as much as I love my Tales games, I am just a terrible bundle of ADHD and I can never finish a single goddamn game within a year. Yeah. So I am now using November 9th as my time to try and finish out fucking Tales of Arise. I never finished it either. I ended up because I do this thing where it's like because I have limited funds, I'll play most of a game. And then if another game comes out that I want to play more, I'll end up trading it in before I finish it. And then be like, man, I miss it. (laughs) And yeah, that's what happened with it, unfortunately. Yeah, so I I do enjoy... I am enjoying the story of Tales. It's just it's been difficult for me to force myself to sit down and play through a game. And this one has been kind of in a backburnered status for a while because um, ever since the about like two expansions of final fantasy 14 ago i've finally kind of been at a good uh good spot of like i can take a break from this finally like and walker's great uh everyone go play the critically acclaimed mmo that everyone memes about uh <laughs> it's fun but yeah and 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 walker was satisfying for me to the point of i can finally step away from this and go do some of the other things well so. it wasn't that one kind of like the wrap-up of like the major arc that they've been telling too so yeah so like it's it's been fun, kind of funny that like, uh, because with FanFest uh, this past year, I think that was, God, was that just a month ago now? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So FanFest, they ended up showing the trailer for the new expansion coming up, which is uh, Dawn Trail, I want to yep. say is the correct name. And it has been funny just sitting back and like seeing the stark difference between the Endwalker like announcement trailer versus the Dawn Trail one of... And Walker is very much like, oh, yeah, it's the, like, apocalypse. Everything's, like, falling apart. Oh, my God. And then we get, like, the Dawn Trail. Uh, it's like new beginnings. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going on an ocean voyage. We get to go to, like, a cool, like, beachside town. Look, we can eat tacos and just have a fun time. It's nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I'm sure they'll find some way to... uh absolutely crush me emotionally and leave me a wreck but for right now it looks like things are just chill and that's that's okay yeah maybe i i appreciate that <laughs> um but also i appreciate being able to play some of my other video games that i've been neglecting so right. again knowing that there's story dlc coming up for tales of arise this seems like the great time for me to finally get back to playing it right that would be yeah i want to hear how how so naturally, like I've been playing the Star, the Star Ocean second story de- demo instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. I make that joke all the time where it's like, so new game comes out and I've been playing Quake 2 Remaster. All right. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh it, I, I wouldn't be me if I wasn't checking in on this. How is uh, how's 16 going? So I am. So because Tori and I are trying to play. 16 uh cooperatively right um i've not gotten much further in it because we've just not had the time to really sit down and play a very story-driven rpg together i hear you uh usually if it comes down to like we want to like go through a story we've just been watching stuff together right um she's been she's been basically the constant source of keeping me honest on binging shows and getting through the end of it yeah um so in the 
in the span of time since starting Final Fantasy 16, I've watched all of Owl House and Amphibia. So <laughs> anyone with Disney Plus should go check those out. Those are fun cartoons. <laughs> How, what, are you still in the same spot that where we talked last? You just beat Benedicta? Yes. Okay. So Still pretty uh, early on. She's, she's fine. Everything's fine. Right, yeah. Um, Sorry, it, we've already spoiled the whole entire thing on this podcast. That's why I didn't tell you to listen to last week's episode, because no, la- no, last week was the uh, I finally finished it, and we went full-blown into the ending and all that whatnot. But um, Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, I love her summon, though. Like that became one of my favorite summons to use. Yeah, in the while. in the other Discord that I, I uh frequent, my server handle is uh resident Garuda apologist. So that's <laughs> that's basically where I'm at in life. Yeah. yeah. Um Bird Waifu's for Laifu, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh what else is there to talk about? Oh from so I I don't know. I think I will wait to talk more about this once we get to talking about the Nintendo Direct. Okay. Um, I don't know if we wanted to uh, jump into that now or what your plan was on. Uh, let me touch on a little bit because I don't got too much more to say about it. Uh, I've been still chipping away at Armored Core 6. Um, yeah. <laughs> I finally hit the uh, Chapter 1. I think it's the Chapter 1 boss fight and got my shit wrecked. Um, Is that the helicopter? No, the helicopter wrecked my shit. And that is that's in the tutorial. Um, okay. And it did wreck my shit for a while because that's like before you can customize your mech or anything. Okay. Um, this is the one where you have to fight a bunch of invisible mechs that are like have cloaking suits and then one of them has like a, a an energy shield, they call it a pulse pulse armor and mm-hmm. like this whip, this like energy whip that can like span like really long. So you're you're basically dealing with four mechs in this fight three of them are like oh, oh you can take them like they, they take a little bit but you can take them but the one guy that has the shield and the whip just every time i take out the three the one that one dude just totally destroys me um i have two... built out kind of like a golfer he uh, problem is he keeps cloaking so i can't get a good look at him I can just see his shield. All I know is he has like he has a regular shield in front of him. He has missiles, and it has this like I said, this huge energy whip. It's more like a beam whip. Um, like the whole whip is made out of a beam. Um, Okay. And it's super long. Um, so you have to like the mechanic in in uh when you're fighting another uh AC when you're fighting another armored core in armored core is you have to basically knock down their uh, meter, which is like a stagger meter. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what they call it in it. And then you can kind of go in and like really hurt them uh, when they're staggered. Um, it's AP. That's what it is. AP. Once their AP limit is reached, um, mm-hmm. you can kind of go in and like you can still do damage, kind of like in it, but you do considerable more when you when you hit that meter. Because he has a pulse shield, I have to drain the pulse shield first, then the ape burn is ap and then go in so i've been using um i've been using my double o um right now against him um which i mean the paint scheme just kind of looks like the double o and because i have two big pulse or two big uh plasma cannons on the back that shoot 
plasma missiles. Um, kind of looks a little bit more like the double O than the Exia, so I renamed them double O. Um, and I have a laser, a laser rifle, which I like the laser rifle in my right hand, and uh, a laser sword because they have a pulse sword originally, but I have a laser sword in my left hand. Um, and I'm thinking I might have to bust out heavy arms for this fight. Uh, heavy arms is another one that I made based off of heavy arms. Um, mm-hmm. he has two machine guns cause I don't have the Gatling guns unlocked yet. And then on his shoulders, he has, um, missile pods, um, just traditional missile pods. So I might try to go into the fight with that. Um, because this game does kind of like encourage you to like, Hey, have more than one mech build. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been told that it is very like, it is, it's still a challenge to S rank missions with that in the, with that in mind. Um, because ideally you could figure out like you would know ahead of enough of what you're going to be coming across in each mission, build, build yourself accordingly. So like you'll have enough for your kit and also ammunition to get you through the entire mission without having to switch mid, uh, midway through. But right. Um, yeah, I, I have heard from multiple sources that it is a very, it is not one of those, like, you were expected to just build yourself out one robot and be like, yeah, this will be perfect for any sort of situation. Right, yeah, that's what I was saying uh, a couple podcasts ago, that if, like, you're looking at this, like, a traditional Souls game where you're just going to be like, oh, I'm going to be a sword board, or I'm going to be, you know, strictly magic. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a traditional from game in that sense. It's, tradi- it's, it's a traditional armored core game where you're going to want to have and they even kind of name it loadouts to kind of imply that yeah. you need more than one. So uh, I have heavy arms built, which I painted them to make them look like the color scheme of heavy arms custom from uh, Endless Waltz. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to get the sniper so I can make a dynamis. Um, <laughs> oh, that'll be cool. Um, I've just been kind of, that's probably where I've been having the most fun is like the gearhead tinkering. Um, which have you been I'm... switching out? Oh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, just on, on that note, have you uh, have you been exploring in like the different like leg uh, styles as well, like the the uh, the treads or the uh, four legs? So I just unlocked those. Um, okay. I wasn't really a big fan of the tank, um, and currently, right now, with the, what I have equipped on my uh, on my double O and on my uh, heavy arms, I don't have enough. Um, energy to use the tetrapod legs but i did do the training mission with the tetrapod legs um it seems kind of cool because you can like hover uh with them uh yeah. which you can't do with the other ones but uh other than that i haven't really messed with it too much yet i don't know i'm also very much a purist and i'm like picking things based on looks not based on function too much mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh, except for the weapons the weapons i i kind of go but like as far as like looks go i'm like oh these arms look cool oh these legs look cool um so i, I i'm basically trying to make them look as close to gundams as possible um i i would definitely be in that that same headspace too and like i'm trying to because I, I do want to get ac6 uh, i've heard a lot of good things um it sounds like it is a much nicer return to form uh than what ac5 was back when that came out like yeah a little over a decade ago now god yeah um but i remember my uh one of my friends who's been a really big fan of the uh armored core series as a whole uh likens this one a lot to armored core for answers so like that that bodes well for me right yeah um, it definitely I, um the sense of like 
the one thing I really like um, about it is just like the movement. The general movement feels really good. Mm-hmm. Like you can move pretty quick, but it, you still have that sense of weight. Um, so, and I just actually just equipped uh, some boosters that actually allow me to boost, um, not necessarily boost faster, but there's a shorter t- time between your dodges, basically. Um, okay. Your dodges. So like, Instead of being like square, square, it's more like a square, square. Like it's a little bit because you square is your dodge button. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's so it's a little bit quicker. You obviously burn the meter a little bit faster, but it allows you to kind of like evade a little bit quicker. That's kind of that's the kind of builds I'm going for is the more speedy builds, um, versus yeah. like your big heavy tanks. Um, not gonna lie though, I have seen some pretty cool like big heavy guys too, but there's obviously that trade-off with it where you're not going to be able to move as quick. Um, I mean, I, I I know myself well enough to understand that, like, when I finally got my hands on this, I'm going to be building a lot of, like, fast enough to get in close and then just start ripping apart in melee. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like still, like, a lot of people that I've been watching, they get rid of their melees right away. I still have one because melee still does, like, the most amount of damage when you get yeah. really close. I mean, obviously you want some stuff to, like, Especially with this uh fight that this boss fight that I'm in, which is why I'm thinking about tra- trying out heavy arms because my heavy arms doesn't have any melee weapons equipped. Mm-hmm. This one I might want to kind of hang back because of that freaking whip does so much damage. I want to just stay away from it. But overall, um, I know later on like you get this big like piston drill that does like a lot of damage. Um, and yeah, I've been I've been definitely enjoying it. Uh. Don't know. I don't know how much I'll stick with it, uh, because I'm definitely starting to hit that point, that frustration point, a little bit. Um, but I'm trying to work past that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it it is definitely like rough to have to be uh, dealing with, you know, um, that whole like, yeah. There's only so many hours in a day to get good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. And. As someone who, like, has been a fan of Souls games for a few years now and still having not beaten one, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, that the funny thing is, like, the one that I made it the farthest in was Elden Ring. And I put it down not because it got too hard. I put it down because I kind of got to the point where, like, I was like, okay, I've kind of seen where I've wanted, wanted to see in this. Yeah. And... My build was where I wanted it to be at. And then I was like, okay, I don't really feel like just doing boss fight after boss fight after boss fight at this point. Um, and the story wasn't gripping me in Elden Ring. And, and you know, I'm I've, very much like I've a been narrative. told that, like, yeah, from what I've been hearing, like, even even by the, uh, the pattern of that is story games and Souls games, like, Elden Ring was just very difficult to, like, connect the pieces together because... You know, it's kind of the the one weakness of like fully open world games, and like the fact that you can go anywhere is. I feel I find that like FromSoft does a really good job with like their story or like their uh, environmental storytelling and like getting yourself like or like just like leaving the uh, breadcrumbs when they know you're going to be coming from a specific way and like encountering things in this order, to, or like at least to have some degree of control of how the player is going to interact with a piece of the world and once it goes fully open world and anyone can go anywhere and then plus like yeah i've i've 
I've been told that like the sheer number of bosses in Elden Ring is like staggering compared to any other game in the series. When you get down to like actual unique boss uh, encounters, it's actually ranking as one of the uh, uh, lower ones in that regard. Of mm-hmm. you're getting it with a lot more like quantity over quality as far as the boss fights go. Right. Um, and again, like they stop feeling special. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are special are really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say about Armored Core, even though like it doesn't really go too crazy with the story, um, but I am liking the story bits that they have dropped in so far. Um, mm-hmm. without going into any spoilers, it's pretty much about um you're on this planet called Rubicon, uh, and you're mining this thing called you're basically a mercenary that keeps getting hired between all these different organizations that are fighting over coral. It's what the mm-hmm. resource is called. Um, that like it's this rare resource that like every other planet ran out of, but then you found one that had like a huge abundance of it. And then there, so you have all these corporations, and then you have what they call the Rubicon Liberation Front, which I'm guessing are the locals. Um, so it's like this big battle yeah. between all these different corps and then the Liberation Front, and I'm hoping you join the Liberation Front at some point. Um, I feel like that's where it's going to go. Um, also, hope, also, your handler's Endeavor, uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the voice actor they uh, tapped for uh, Walter, and just, he's, again, kind of, I don't know. Endeavor's not the best example of, like, anime dad, but... No, no. It, it is still anime dad voices. Um, for sure. A lot of uh uh patrick seats is uh character types that i've seen him end up getting play or end up playing so right I, I appreciate a lot of his uh uh work in the past so yeah so yeah i'm just hoping that we end up uh like this mission that i'm on is actually we were hired by the liberation front um so i mean you're like you're literally just a, a hired gun so whoever pays you the money you'll go work for yeah um so I'm hoping that maybe down the line we'll have this switch of like we're only working for the Liberation Front, um, because they're just basically strip mining. I mean, all these courts yeah. are just basically strip mining this planet. Uh, so, and that's not good. So yeah, <laughs> you know, just being a, a general guy that does not exist within the upper echelons of society, I I can't help but feel for the people that are. Uh, having their home completely destroyed by corporate interests. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not an expert, but, um, well with that, uh, do you want to go ahead and get into the news of the week? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I am interested to see what, uh, your takes are and also what some news is. All right. And there goes the sound cue. All right. <laughs> One of these days, I'll have a. I, I keep. I've said it on so many episodes of the podcast. One of these days, I'm gonna have like a stinger transition on the screen for the people who watch this podcast. But I'm not that cool yet. Um, we can start though with the Nintendo Direct. Um, there was they. I thought overall this Nintendo Direct was really good. Um, yeah. Um, I, I will say I was not. I did not walk out of this one as excited as i had in like you know past ones but still it's been 
Uh, the the two the two big or like the main takeaway I had from this Nintendo Direct was uh, I don't recall if there was a life sim game this time at all, and like that is a market improvement over like not that I have anything against life sim games, but it had gotten to that point of all right, we got uh we're getting like so many Nintendo Directs a year, and we're getting like five different like. And you can, you know, build your life by farming and also protecting yeah. the land. But also, it's just, yeah, it, it was getting to be a lot, and it started to get, a, it started to feel a little stale on that. So I was happy to see that that was not the case this time around. And even though I'm not a big racer, I felt like this one had a lot of stuff that was just kind of neat for people that do like driving fast. I was excited and then not excited because I don't have my Nintendo online anymore. Um, so I might have to get that back. But uh, I've been talking about forever wanting a new F-Zero. And then they showed F-Zero 99. And I was yeah. like, God damn it. I'm going to have to. They're going to suck me back in. It's okay. I'm canceling my PlayStation 1 here soon. So maybe I'll just <laughs> um, switch it over to that. Uh, but that had me excited. Um they showed more of Super Mario RPG, which I have on pre-order. Definitely going to be playing that this year. Um, Violet was really excited, and I was too, that that Peach game finally got a name, uh, Princess Peach Showtime. Mm-hmm. Um, that looked really cool. Really yeah, fun. I think that looked really cute. And I um, I remember talking to uh, my fiance about it, and um, <laughs> it is funny because like, she actually did play through the the other, uh, the Super Princess Peach game on DS, and she really enjoyed that one. Uh, so I was kind of curious to see how she'll take to this one, because I imagine I'll probably pick it up at some point. Yeah. Um, oh. But I I think I'm with you on because uh, I never got to play Super Mario RPG or uh, uh, the, the closeout uh, for the Direct. I didn't get to play that either when it first came around, so I was very happy to see that those are coming to Switch. Yeah, yeah. They uh, uh, also showed... Well, they closed out with uh, what we're alluding to is a Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, which I did play, but I never finished. Um, okay. It was my girlfriend at the time in high school. She had a GameCube and played it a bunch. Um, and then when I got the GameCube, it was like super late in the GameCube's life mm-hmm. and just never got around to it. So I'm excited to pick both of those up. Um, and then... I was actually really excited because I played a lot of this um, Mario versus Donkey Kong. Uh, okay. I played the original Donkey Kong on the Game Boy, and so many of those levels are plucked from that game. Um, okay. To where even like the music was like unlocking a core memory in my brain of me playing my original gray brick Game Boy with the little worm light over it in the car, and I was playing Donkey Kong. Um, which it was just called Donkey Kong at the time. Um, yeah. And instead of saving toys, you were saving Pauline. But I mean, whatever. Like other than that, though, all the levels, the boss fight that they showed is the boss fight from the first world in that game. Um, so I'm really excited for that one, even too. Um, they showed off. Let's see. Oh, Sora's finally getting an amiibo. Um, mm-hmm. so that's cool. I've kind of slowed down on my Amiibo purchases. I do still need to get Sephiroth, though. 
um, and, and then Sora, and I'll probably make those like my last two that I get. Um, so, because like, so here's the thing with me and Amiibo of like, I'm I'm only trying to get the ones that I actually care about, like the series for, right? And when it comes to Zelda, like I'm at that well, Zelda and both uh, Xenoblade at this stage of I don't want to have to take the manslaughter avenue but at at this point it's not off the table anymore so i'm glad i managed <laughs> to get my pre-orders in <laughs> yeah which is really funny because like i i know this is a weird take and i know i'm not i've said this before on the podcast and i know this isn't a popular opinion but i was not the biggest fan of breath of the wild so mm-hmm. i have the breath of the wild amiibos some of them and i'm like why do i have these like so I'm actually considering getting rid of those, um, like sending them to like disc traders or something because they're still in the box and everything. Yeah, um, no, they they do well on uh, second hand. I, um, because I I don't know. I have I don't have every single Legend of Zelda amiibo because after a point it got to be like I don't. Need... It was like the Mario ones. The Mario ones got really ridiculous too. Yeah, it's like I don't like even though I understand like they do come with different things specifically for Breath of the Wild. I I wasn't interested in having like a dozen different versions of just Link. Right. Even though I like the character a lot. It got to like that stage of like the the differences between how he appears in uh Twilight Princess versus uh how the amiibo appeared for Skyward Sword was just so like minimal. Like yeah, I understand or I understand what the difference is, but it doesn't it doesn't look that you know, interesting when on a shelf. Right. I so remember when... I... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I don't know. It's it's more me just beating the dead horse of like, yeah, I don't, I didn't need that many of Link. And even then I look over at my shelf and I was like, yeah, no, that's, there's a lot of green tunics. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was me with like, um, I had to be like very specific when I would ask for Amiibos for like my birthday and Christmas, because I have a bunch of the Mario ones, but they're from the Mario set. They're not from the Smash Brothers set. Um, so I was like, get these ones from the Mario set, get these ones from the Zelda 30th anniversary set. Um, and then I think I've got one link, one Super Smash Brothers link, the P-Stand link. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he still gets to sit front and center. Yeah. Um, and then I have like, (laughs) I have the 8-bit link, uh, and the 8-bit Mario. I do have a silver and gold Mario too. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't really think I'll pick up the Zelda and Ganondorf amiibo because I didn't even pick up Tears of the Kingdom because not being the big, biggest fan of Breath of the Wild, I just kind of skipped that guy. Um, I ended up getting Final Fantasy 16 instead. Um, yeah, you got to pick your battles. And right. Yeah. I so I do have. It, it has been funny in that. I was helping my fiance try and go through and get the memories for Breath of the Wild because at that point she has everything else that you really need in order to go through and finish the game. Yeah. Um, I'm still technically engaging with the DLC, but I've just not really been uh, investing the time that I've needed to to actually like do the whole Champions Battle thing. But um, it has been <laughs> it has been amusing. Watching her go through and try and reacquaint herself with Breath of the Wild because, like, we both have put like hundreds of hours into that game the first time through, 
and she's trying to get into it again and just watching her get like progressively more salty and she's like this isn't as fun as genshin <laughs> yeah d- yeah i i it hit me when i was playing breath of the wild trying to finish it again uh before i finally just gave up and was like you know what it's okay i don't have to finish this if i don't want to yeah. um it you finally <laughs> it finally hit me that i prefer your traditional top-down Zeldas. Uh, like, because I loved the Link's Awakening remake. Played so much of that. Um, and I just started thinking back, and I was like, well, yeah, come to think of it, I liked Ocarina, but I wasn't, like, gaga for it like most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. It's a great game. But it, I still enjoy just those top-downs more, and I feel like that's where I may need to stick. Is... Yeah, it, it it was less about that style uh, for how the game was being presented because I actually did I do appreciate like how like how Breath of the Wild almost like didn't really reinvent open world but like it found a way to make it more interesting to engage with mm-hmm. uh, and I like how since its release open world games have kind of taken a lot of the lessons that. Breath of the Wild um, was able to teach to, you know, like the industry as a whole. And I like to see how things have evolved as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, you know, Genshin is still always going to be like a star example of the, whether it was as intentional or not, as people like to say of like, oh no, it's just a company trying to copy, uh, Nintendo or whatever, I I really appreciate what Genshin Impact and MiHoYo as a whole have done as far as like engaging or like creating that sort of game world and making it interesting and just rewarding on its own to go through without really I don't know having to like turn it into the like all right now go find like a thousand feathers or whatever right yeah um. It's just the, the so the main thing I kind of want to point back to on Breath of the Wild that uh, it, it feels like you know exhuming an old corpse just to punch it in the face, but no, the combat just the way that weapon degradation, like even at the end games, uh, constantly shows up, it, it makes combat for me less fun because. Yeah. It's always this war of attrition, and it it stops feeling like, oh yeah, I won because of a skill thing, it, as opposed to like, well, my backpack was big enough, so I was able to deal with the damage sponge. Yeah, that was my biggest complaint about it, is the combat. I didn't like the weapon degradation aspect, and I felt like like I never wanted to use my good weapons because I was saving them for yeah. whatever reason. And like I said, I just hit a point where I was like, I think I got to three out of the four divine beasts. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> when when the only thing that made the master sword feel like truly special was like in certain parts, it didn't break. Yeah. And like, that's in what made it like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've not finished the, um, the master trials to fully upgrade my master sword. So that I think, across the entire overworld it won't break i think is what the full point of that is and even then it is 
Yeah. I, I, you know what? For people that have fun with the whole like survival games thing, like more power to them. I was not appreciating having to deal with a hundred floors of the one island where you go there and they just take all of your equipment away and tell you like, all right, good luck. Fight with a rock. Right. Yeah. Um, a few other ah. like smaller things of note that came out of this direct um that I liked um new WarioWare uh WarioWare mm-hmm. move it um and they are making a Luigi's Mansion 2 remake yeah um and then they did show off a little bit of the Nintendo museum they talked about that a little bit um yep that seems pretty cool um yep that was new to me yeah um ah. other than that um pretty standard direct I, I think the big standouts are the ones that we mentioned already with uh princess peach uh pa- mm-hmm. and paper mario we're, we're really the two real big ones um in my opinion and and for me mario versus donkey kong um, oh yeah for, i would i would say for me like the ones that still kind of so i really enjoyed the first detective pikachu game so i'm happy to see it is making a return um but I will. Uh, I was excited to see that Aiden Chronicles uh, showed up on the direct with a uh, release date because that is actually. Um, I ended up kickstarting that back originally when it uh, oh, okay. was first being uh, pitched. So I and like you know within hours of the direct, I finally got my backer survey to be like, hey, which system do you want to get this on? Because like we are committed to this date, so like. I'm excited that this game that I backed about three years ago now is, in fact, moving forward and going to be in my home to play. So that's going to be cool. Um, we already did talk about F zero ninety nine, and I am here to say that it is. I am both. I am very bad at it, but I am <laughs> having a lot of fun with F zero, and it is the most enjoyable game I've been able to play lately where i just keep crashing in 50 percent of my races yep <laughs> and um, that's f-zero yeah and i'm i'm because i i really do enjoy the uh art style for vanillaware games i and you know being a you know kind of a strategy rpg fan with uh um uh, growing up playing like final fantasy tactics advance and then fire emblem i i am going to be paying a lot of attention to unicorn overlord as that starts to come closer to launching yeah yeah i actually forgot about that because i forgot what it was called um (laughs) but i was like man this looks really good and then i forgot it was called unicorn overlord um but yeah that looks really good um so i oh and just another side note of I do appreciate Riot releasing more games that have to deal with the uh, League of Legends world because I think those characters are very, very cool and interesting on their own. And just doing so in a way so I don't have to play League of Legends. Yeah, right. Um, And then this one, we'll kind of probably go through everything that was here because this uh, state of play was actually a lot shorter than the Nintendo Direct or Mm -hmm. they didn't show as much. but uh, they had a state of play the same day, uh, that afternoon. Um, and the first thing they showed off was this game called Baby Steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just looked really funny. You're just this guy. It looks like, do you remember, have you ever heard of the game Quop? 
Yes. It looks like that on PlayStation. Um, in your playing this, like the old words to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it literally, it's like this dude in like long underwear pajamas, and he's just walking like this, like, like a baby. Um, and you're just like navigating these different levels. So that looked funny. Let me pull up the video for it because I've not watched the uh the state of play, unfortunately. So I'm curious exactly. Yeah, look up that trailer. Oh. I'll, I'll I'll go through a couple of these. Oh, just this thumbnail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll go through a couple of these other small ones while you pull it up. But uh, okay. they showed Roblox for the PS5 and PS4. Um, okay. my daughter would be pretty excited for that because she's she was pretty big into Roblox. Um, then they kind of did a VR block with Ghostbusters VR. Um, Rise of Ghost Lord is what the name of it is. Okay. Then they showed Resident Evil 4 VR, and then they showed the two Resident Evil 4 DLCs, uh, Resident Evil Separate Ways and Resident Evil The Mercenaries. Um, okay. And then, let's see. Uh, they showed off more of the Avatar game, uh, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. I have zero interest because it just looks I, like yeah. it looks like a Far Cry set in the Avatar universe. Um because I believe it's made by that same team, too, because I know Ubisoft is publishing it, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Far Cry team's on it, because um, it looks and feels like a, a Far Cry. Um, no, I don't have... Sorry, I, I'm I'm now getting back to watching the, uh, nope, nope. the Baby I Steps know, trailer. And I like, want to know your reaction. <laughs> just, I know I have no room to really talk, but this is a very caked-up dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's got... Yeah. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Live this, this has this live. has a lot of uh uh getting up to like go to the bathroom at like 4 a.m vibes <laughs> for sure yeah the fact that he's in like pajamas like basically is pretty hilarious um uh, is he gonna kick yeah of course he's gonna kick over the stupid rock thing <laughs> um so rude <laughs> Then they showed Ghost Runner 2. Um, they showed some new PS5 controllers and skins. Uh, they're going to do a red, a volcanic red, so more of like a deep, dark red, because uh, I think they have like a, a, a fuchsia and a pink right now, but they don't have like an actual traditional red. Um, mm -hmm. They're doing a more of like a cobalt traditional blue instead of the light sky blue that they have right now. And then they're doing like a silverish chrome one. Um they showed Helldivers 2. Uh, they showed more about Spider-Man 2, which looks great. Um, mm -hmm. I'm super excited to play that. I will probably end up borrowing it from Dustin to save money, but when he's done with that, I will definitely be checking that out because I've, I've liked both Spider-Man games so far. Uh, like Spider-Man Miles Morales, actually a little bit better than the original Spider-Man, but just swinging in that game is fun. Um yeah. And they I, showed off the uh, they showed off now that you're gonna have like the 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 glide ability the little web glider. Oh, cool! Um, so you'll have that too. Um, then they showed off uh, the Tales of Arise um, DLC. Uh, Beyond the Dawn is what it's gonna be called. Um, um, they showed Honkai Star Rail off, um, and then they announced an open beta for Foam Stars, uh, which is that Splatoon like. Um, okay, and then the big one at the very that they closed the show with uh, was a new trailer and date for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, um, and of course announced all the additions and whatnot. It's coming out by the end of February, uh, mm -hmm. so uh, 
really excited for that one. The most um, Februaryist of days of all. <laughs> yeah. And I think I read somewhere that I can't remember where, but it's going to end pretty much right where Aerith would traditionally die. Yes, I so I've not watched the trailer for it, which I know is probably a surprise given uh, um, my my appreciation of most things Final Fantasy. And like, yes, I I think I'm just at a point of still feeling a little bit of fatigue with everything that's come forward since uh, uh, all the different things that they're uh, running for or running with for Final Fantasy VII again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just giving myself a little bit of a break there, but I am interested. I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, I want to be able to also have my uh, fiance play through the remake, right? Because uh, it for there there are a lot of words to be had about the remake, but like overall, I did enjoy my experience. I had fun. I loved it. I really I, liked it. I I did agree with everything that the story did, but I was at least left off in a point of like I'm curious how this is going to go. Yeah, for sure. And um so like most most that I know to expect for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth at this stage is that yes, it is I've been told that it's supposed to end off in the Forgotten City. Um which is where the like the the big event of Final Fantasy VII is supposed to uh, occur, and that is the proper end of the first disc of the game. Oh, um, that's the other thing they said. This is going to be on two discs. <laughs> oh, that'll be neat. Um, um, not not in the way of like one's the install disc and the other one is the actual gameplay one. They didn't say. They just said on two discs. Okay. So I, I could have sworn that's what they did for uh remake back when it was on PS4 as well. But in any case, I digress. Um. The, the two things that I have, have just picked up from the ether on the Rebirth announcement is 19 inches of Sephiroth statue. Yep. For the $300 and, edition or whatever. Yeah. And honestly, I, I don't want to like sound like a sourpuss or anything like this. or like I'm honestly relieved that it is a Sephiroth statue because I have no interest in having that in my house. And that is good because I don't want to have to pay... $300 for Final Fantasy 7 right I'll now. definitely get the one below it, the deluxe edition. Yeah, like, like that, that one. Art book like, and stuff like that, but. Yeah, like the, the, the art book and the, like, even though it's a mini soundtrack, like, th- those are my bread and butter and, like, yeah, I like my cool figures and everything. I don't really like Sephiroth enough to have a giant Sephiroth. I have a Sephiroth figure already, so, the the, the Advent Children one, so I feel like I'm good in that camp. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I feel like I lucked out in the way that, like, if this, if what came with it was a model of the high wind i would have been fucked (laughs) (laughs) yeah you would have been like and i bought four of them no (laughs) yeah they're mine i have a squadron of a fleet (laughs) um no the the other big takeaway i have is cloud on a segue oh my god all i have to know about anything with this (laughs) i have a meme to send you after this is over and i'm gonna it's hilarious (laughs) about that along those lines um yeah, uh, I'm just excited for uh, a PS5 version um, because I played the first one on PS4. Although I will say that um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but you can do the free upgrade to the PS5 version if you have the PS4 disc. Um, yep, I've done that. I just yep. haven't been properly played because I, I beat it all on PS4 before I got my PS5. Yeah, so did I. The only reason I got the PS5 version is because I eventually got Integrade finally. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can play as... Which, 
I don't know if you ever played Integrade. Uh, Not yet, but I would like to. They made Yuffie fun life. as fuck. That's Yuf- good. Yuffie is fun to play as. She's literally like Tifa with a giant throwing star. Um, how she plays, and you can throw the the throwing her big throwing star, and it'll like juggle an enemy in the air, and then you can zip to that spot where the throwing star is. Oh, that's um, cool. It's super cool. She plays super awesome, which I was like. I thought was awesome because I always thought that Yuffie was kind of like one of the more annoying characters to have. She, I mean, yeah, she's uh, a pain in the ass, but like, you know, there's, there's still always that level of like nostalgia for like, okay, yeah, it's Yuffie, whatever. Ha, yeah. She is, she's the one who's going to steal your materia. Just like give her a noogie later. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and the story of Intergrade is not to spoil anything, but it's, uh, Basically, just to show what where it takes place is it's basically alongside up until the plate drop. So it's what she is doing while you're doing all your other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it, it, it was interesting to see how she got incorporated into there because I remember back when the remake first came out, there was some like some whisperings or like rumblings of like there was another character that was like new to the remake it was like is this just yuffie in disguise and i'm i'm assuming that integrate goes to just fully debunk that like no yuffie's just off doing her own thing being yuffie yeah well because she's from wutai she's kind of like they're kind of infiltrating yeah and stuff like that with a partner um and kind of goes just what basically what is she up to i'm guessing up until she meets cloud in the gang um yeah and uh, robs them or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, that was pretty much all from the the PlayStation State of Play. Um. Honestly, that one I I felt the Nintendo Direct was a little bit more exciting. Um. Other than the big Final Fantasy announcement, mm-hmm. and that and showing off more of Spider Man. Spider Man is just looking great. Yeah. But I feel like I don't really need to see more of Spider Man because it's coming out really soon here. Um. But. Um. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like you know Spider Man and Final Fantasy VII. They're always going to be those like those titles that like any any mention of them like people are going to get excited because like we understand they're they're fun. We can we know what this we're going to be in store for. Yeah. Um. Nintendo, even though like yeah, I I would say that they they had a few in there that's like yeah this this does like doesn't really do much for me or whatever, but. Nintendo is still the one that will take more chances right? and put mm-hmm. out some, like, at least announce more of, like, the weird things. Right. And then we have baby steps, so, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that thing is weird, but I love it. <laughs> I I love the fact that, like, that is how they opened this show. <laughs> yeah, they opened with baby steps. That was, yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was really good. Um, Alright. You know what? You know, n- never mind. Sony... The, this this was correct. This is how all direct should be from now on. Yep. This is this is the right way to open. Um, and honestly, even though I'm not a big VR guy, uh, play, I don't know. Um, the Ghostbusters game looked kind of cool because it was okay. just you were running around with like your little pack and zapping ghosts. Um, I don't have a PSVR because they're fucking expensive. My brother-in-law yeah, it, does though, so maybe I'll mention it to him and we could play it at Christmas or something. Yeah. <laughs> It took me forever to get my PS5, and then to find out how much it would be, or I just have to pay for another PS5 to get PSVR, it quickly 
cool to be on that experience. And the fact that now that there's, you know, pretty good chance that next Christmas when the next Nintendo console launches that there's going to be a PS5 Pro already. Uh, yeah, that's disgusting to me. Yeah, it, it is. We, we've talked about that endlessly on this podcast that because I'll still get it because what happened last time with the PS4 was, uh, you know, it got became junk. <laughs> yeah, you had to basically have a PS4 Pro to have any decent running games on it. So it's like, do I want to get a PS5 Pro? No, but I feel like they're going to force our hand a little bit. Um, yeah, if they make everything just optimized specifically to only be playable on that, then yeah, good luck. <sighs> yeah. But uh, now we can get into the news proper here um, out of those events. Um, yeah, this, grumble, grumble. Yeah, this first story comes from uh, Push Square, which is funny. It's a Sony website, but uh, <laughs> they wanted to talk about this too. Uh, and this is no surprise. Um, this tar- article is titled, uh, UK Sales Charts, uh, Starfield Soars While Mortal Kombat Hype Brings uh, Back uh, Mortal Kombat 11. Um, no real big surprise there. Just basically stating that uh, Starfield has topped the UK uh, sales charts in the week ending uh, of November 9th. Um, the chart goes uh, Starfield, Hogwarts Legacy, Mario Kart 8, uh, still in the number three spot, uh, the Lego Star Wars Saga, Mortal Kombat 11 at number five, Tears of the Kingdom at six, uh, NBA 2K24 at seven, Grand Theft Auto 5 at eight, Fae Farm at nine, and then Minecraft at 10. And these are all specifically Switch titles. Um, okay. Or a lot of these are specifically switch titles, but um, Starfield um, has blown up to nobody's surprise, really. I don't know. What do you think? So Starfield is going to be one of those weird anomalies for me because I feel like I've definitely been living under a rock of I was not paying attention to it at all because I just I don't know. I just looked at it as being another like No Man's Sky type of thing and like Outer Worlds, I think was the Yeah. Obsidian Obsidian came with Outer Worlds, right? And that yes. one also confused the hell out of me because Outer Wilds was also out at the same time. I know. And they're both very, very different, but Yes. One is uh, good, one is not. Uh <laughs> no, I'm just just kidding, not really. Um I'm I'm just over here like I still have fun playing Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> My thing is, is like it's it's still a Bethesda ass Bethesda game. Like yeah. it's and everything that I've seen from it personally, like everything outside of the combat looks awesome, but that combat still looks like every other Bethesda Fallout. Um and I didn't even really like Fallout 4. So um uh, I I do feel like having because I didn't end up playing Fallout 4 but like I I watched a good uh, decent chunk of it and like it was definitely just it was the prettier version of Fallout 3 but just I don't know it it felt like it was missing some heart I just yeah as somebody who like like I said as I've gotten older I've definitely become more of like a narrative driven gamer and I just couldn't get sucked into the story it didn't it didn't do much for me uh like three in New Vegas did, um, yeah. Then... New, New Vegas definitely has like the coolest beginning. Yeah. Um, it is weird that somehow the ghost say like having your child stolen out of your hands opening still doesn't feel like it carries enough like momentum for a Fallout game. Right, and 
I don't know. Like, like I said, everything about Starfield looked kind of cool. Like I loved the aesthetic kind of like almost like a, a 70s style. Uh, it reminded me, it reminded me of like the inside of the ships of like the old, old Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it definitely had that vibe. All that looked, seemed cool. But then you got to the part to where you have to shoot stuff and I haven't played it. So I can't say, you know, I'm, I don't have an Xbox, so I can't say I know uh, Dustin's fiance has it and she's been enjoying it um but it doesn't surprise me that it sold well it's a bethesda game yeah bethesda games always do pretty well um i think it's okay like because i've i've learned enough about myself from my time with like skyrim of really enjoying it but like if i get starfield it's just gonna be more of the same of like yeah i'll dump a lot of hours into it maybe like it's difficult for me to even like commit to that sort of thing anymore mm-hmm. um but like i'll still never feel the compulsion to like see any of it to completion because i never care about that by the end of a bethesda game right right and now like kind of getting back to that whole like you know this is <laughs> this is a fun uh fun topic for this whole entire uh uh podcast of me coming on of just like grumbling about like man i just get old and tired (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah why can't my hobby be easier to do (laughs) yeah i i I think i made the joke before that they shouldn't have difficulties in games they should have them be like all right are you like a student a college student or a full-time working adult like they need to those should be your difficulty sliders um and then they will adjust it accordingly um, i don't want i don't want to be shamed for picking the story difficulty <laughs> right yeah um next story comes from GameSpot. um uh cyberpunk 2077 players warned to check their pc cooling systems before phantom liberty launch um according to a quote on twitter uh it's uh from uh i'm gonna butcher his name but uh philip persinski i think is how you pronounce it uh, we use all that you have, so a workload on your CPU at 90% on eight cores expected. Uh, to save time, please run a Cinebench or similar and check stability of your systems. Um, I say that game's already pretty graphically intense to begin with, mm-hmm. um, so no big shocker there. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I just think it's a very like meta marketing move to you know, put out a cyberpunk style game as they are and basically cause or like make it so the only way to properly safely run it is to have their clients go through and steal parts from mega corporations. <laughs> yeah. That's um, actually genius. So like good on you, CD Project Red. <laughs> um and I know I have been tasked by uh Dustin's fiance Jess to uh give Cyberpunk another shot because I've said it numerous times on this podcast that I do not like cyberpunk. Um, even when it started working, I didn't like it. Uh, but she has told me that she wants me to check out the DLC. So I may give it the college try as long as it doesn't set my PS five on fire. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would like to be interested in the cyberpunk story. And I've heard so many good things about edge runners and I've still not even been able to bring myself to like play it because of this weird, this weird like FOMO thing that just kind of exists for all like uh multimedia properties for me. 
Yeah. So it's like, oh, why why would I watch Ed run? Even like I understand they're completely fully separate. Like it's that that stupid disconnect in my mind of like, well, why would I watch Edge Runners if I'm not playing planning on playing 2077 ever? That's me too. Yeah. Um next story comes from IGN. This is kind of a small story. We typically don't talk about this stuff on the podcast, but uh bunch of news came out last week about the new iPhone. Um and the big thing of big thing of note is that um well, for streamers, uh, you're going to be able to plug a, ca- a separate camera into it. Um, but they showed it running Resident Evil Village and Assassin's Creed Mirage mm-hmm. on it. Um, and they say they're going to be able to run like pretty much like modern games on it. Um, I don't really care that much, if I'm being honest. Uh, I... But what do you think about the whole, you know the iphone the next iphone being able to run that stuff i mean like good for anyone that's like you know going to be like wants to get an iphone anyways and is like i feel like this is always going to be a generational thing of i'm never going to look at you know conventionally playing games on a phone screen yeah like i like I'll, i'll i'll joke about the fact of like i do play my gotcha games and everything but it is different um, I I don't want to be playing anything that actually does require like, you know, both like simultaneous like movement and camera controlling and also trying to act at the same time. It just nothing about that sounds fun to deal with on just a singular phone screen on top, and then just you know how intensive any of the uh, storage is going to be on something that size and heat and battery loss. It's just yeah yeah it's it's neat like it's it's the natural progression of how technology is going to move like obviously they're going to keep pushing for more and more and gaming is kind of that good benchmark to show that like yeah if it can handle doing this imagine how seamlessly it can do anything else you would want in in your everyday life so like sure and so not surprising just it's a claim that's just kind of it, it doesn't excite me in any way because like nothing about this feels like out of the ordinary right if 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 it's able to do it cool um i i have my doubts and even then like it's just it's not for me right i don't really see it moving the needle with like people who are like hardcore gamers or just gamers in general um i mean it, i could see it being cool for like really casual people who maybe don't have a console or don't yeah. have a PC to be like, oh, I can check these games out. But uh, like you said, battery life, uh, heat, all, all these things are a factor. And yet, just because they showed it running, uh, how, like I still, said, how fast is that battery going to drain and things like that? It's still a freaking Apple phone. So like, you know what? You you accidentally like sidestep wrong into a wall once and your screen is just destroyed anyway. So Yeah, yeah. I've been an iPhone user forever and I finally cracked my screen for the first time and Yep, that's that's awesome. Um uh next story comes from gamesindustry.biz. Um and this one had a lot of people in an uproar. Uh and I was actually sent this early on by a friend of the show Danny. Um mm-hmm. uh Unity basically announced a bunch of new uh fees that they're going to be charging developers. Uh and uh basically just breaking this down at a glance uh Unity says only initial install will require a fee unless the game is installed on another device. Because originally, everybody thought, like, if I install this multiple times, 
will be charging a fee. Um, demos will be largely exempt, and developers will be able to inform Unity if a game is for charity. Install fee applies to distributors, so developers with games in a subscription service will not be charged. So it seems like they had to walk back a little bit of this because, man, people were pissed. Um, yeah. Um, it was showing that starting January 1st, 2024, the company will be, will charge developers using Unity Personal or Plus up to 20% or 20 cents for every install once a game passes $200,000 in revenue and 200,000 installs. Um, there is there is no shortage of things to say about this. None of this is surprising um, that a company would like, I, I think because, I don't know, I, I've been catching wind of a lot of uh, uh, different chatter over this one, and what it ultimately comes down to is no one is surprised that Unity or really any other um, uh, company behind an en- like an open-source engine like this, or not really open-source, you understand, right. widely used engine in the way that Unity is, um, especially once it went uh, public, uh and eventually going this route of um championing uh profits over anything else and the i mean i believe the fallout for this one is just that uh it doesn't matter how much unity tries to walk back any of the damage they've done uh the the trust is no longer there for yeah. developers as a whole um a lot of this is is really going to suck and like the fallout for this is going to be pretty wide uh far reaching um they aren't without uh competition cuz like unreal is still I was a just very, about to say that uh, uh very widely uh used engine for um indie developers uh but like it's just there's there's so many different facets to this that and like I don't even feel like I'm really qualified to properly talk on a lot of it because I don't develop with Unity. Right. Um but I just remember like it for the longest time, like for a decade now, it, it was like, Oh yeah, if you want to learn like game design on your own, like why not check out Unity? Like and it's just been it's very disappointing and just I don't know. And I feel like Unreal has kind of gone in the other direction. They've become more friendly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody who did go to game design school for a little bit, we used both Unity and Unreal. And uh, Unreal was, like, way more streamlined. And I felt like easier to, in my opinion, easier to use uh, than Unity. And it just sucks for a lot of the people who are, like, I've already seen a lot of, like, smaller publishers being like, all right, well... We're already this far into development of our game, so we got to kind of finish it up on Unity. But the next oh, one, yeah. we're we're gonna be shopping around for uh, to use somebody I else. Remember, I remember seeing a couple gutted uh, posts of people like making jokes about like, "Oh no, Silk Song, uh, the Hollow Knight sequel is gonna get pushed back another five years as they have to uh, uh, probably get off of Unity and go to a different engine." That being liked by uh, one of the head developers over at Team Cherry was like, oh god, is this actually true? Because like we've been waiting on Silk Song for, you know, the better part of a decade at this point. And, like right. no, that 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 that's no pressure on Team Cherry. Like you guys, you guys do what you got to do. I got my understanding is Team Cherry is still like maybe a team of 
five or six people, if that. Um, but uh, no, the, the the other the other thing about this that was just like the other story I remember reading in relation to this is how uh, one of the executives at Unity uh, within a week or like a week prior to the news for this all coming out had offloaded like another 2000 shares after oh like, yeah that was dumping, what i was getting like, to too oh, like, oh over the previous year having dumped like close to like eight thousand or even more so than that just which that try, just, trying to just that's that's, like, a, that's that, a good move right you know that that, that it's, it's like you know again we talk about the whole thing of like look it happened to the martha stewart so really like we know this is illegal <laughs> yeah and like e- even the terms of uh, service change is likely illegal and they're going to have to deal with like a class action lawsuit. But even like again, the the damage has been done here. Um, right. I don't uh, know if I have anything else to really say on it. it it's it, it's it's really shitty business, and and it's going to hurt the smaller indie developers the most. At the end of the day. Oh yeah, and like the the ones that even can, I mean no, um, even the bigger names like you know the developers behind. Uh, uh, Rust and Cult of Lamb have been some of the uh, most vocal voices I've heard on this whole thing of like, yeah, this is absolutely stupid and uh, like incredibly asinine. And you know, you look at things like, um, basically what happened with uh, the team behind Among Us of you know they go they go out they develop this game for free and just put it out to in the ether and okay, so Among Us I don't. Among Us may not have been free originally. I don't remember. But you bring up a good point. What does that mean for free to play games? Like, well, it's just yeah. The the whole idea of like you have Among Us that you know got released in a vacuum, and like it's not that people weren't playing it before pandemic or anything like that. But like you know, once you get like one big name streamer who like finally comes across your game, like maybe a year or a year and a half later, and all of a sudden like it just erupts in popularity, and then you're this team that really out of nowhere um, on top of all the work that comes with trying to maintain all the servers and everything for that. Suddenly you're getting a bill for like all of these, like um, all of these installs that just happened literally overnight. Right. And just defuncting a company immediately yeah, because they got successful. Yep. It just sucks. It, it, it's yeah. a, it's a shitty move. Um, Next story comes from Video Games Chronicle. Um, uh, and this is kind of a big one. Uh, Embracer Group is considering selling Gearbox uh, report claims. Uh, mm-hmm. According to Reuters, uh says Swedish company is looking to options uh, for the Borderlands studio that might include a sale. Um, now, we did just talk about last week that they closed Volition, um, which is the studio behind Saints Row. Um, mm-hmm. And now they're looking... It just... It just looks like that because they didn't get that Saudi money they were banking on, um, that this group is kind of in free fall right and now. So, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't Embracer the uh, financial group that ended up taking on almost like 80% of the IPs that Square Enix had been holding on to that weren't Final Fantasy or Yeah, I believe it was Dragon like Tomb, I believe it was Tomb Raider and I think maybe Hitman, Hitman I, I believe uh I'm pretty sure, but yeah, they took on a ton of them. Um 
and they were just kind of buying up all these IP without like having any real plan with them. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, they were trying to get the Saudi. I, I I had a story about it like a week or two ago, uh, about this uh games conglomerate out of Saudi Arabia that was supposed to that they were going to acquire, uh, and then that deal fell through, and then their stock took a major hit, uh, because of that. And then ever since, it's been, like, Volition closing and now possibly Gearbox possibly being sold off. Um, yeah. Uh, not a good time to be embraced, that's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, terrible dad joke there. Not too much more 20, to say about that. 2023, but. not a good time for hugging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, next one uh, has got me excited. Uh, it comes from IGN. Uh, Nintendo controller patent raises hopes that Switch 2 will avoid... Uh, stick drift issues um just doing a quick scroll through this article um it looks like it's going to have like this magnetic fluid in it um kind of like similar to a hall effect joystick although those have actual magnets in it um so uh i would take this a little bit with a grain of salt because companies file patents for things all the times and then never use them yeah um and the fact that the next switch uh, is going to have, or the successor to the Switch, is going to have launch with an LCD screen instead of an OLED screen to cut down on costs. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily guarantee that this is going to be in stock controllers, but maybe their pro controller? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, ju- I just think we should really applaud the House of N for uh, um, you know, seeking a solution on this uh, so quickly after the uh, Switch launch. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, good good job, guys. It's been seven years. The uh, um, the one thing that kind of jumped out to me is like it's like a magnetic fluid that's used in like hydraulics and stuff, I guess. Um, and I'm just like, so great. Instead of having like Joy-Con drift, we're just gonna have like leaky thumbsticks now. Like, um, yeah. I I mean, I. I don't know how it works. Like, yeah. so I, I can't really say, but that was like, am I going to like run a magnet over my like next gen Joy-Con and it's just going to start like oozing this stuff out of it? Um, <laughs> I, I would like to think that, you know, they've done something to keep ferrofluid uh, fully contained and where it needs to be. Um, You'd like to think, but this is Nintendo we're yeah. talking about. I don't know. We we just get weird leaky black dittos just showing up in our homes now. And we have to just deal with that. Right. So that is the price of uh, Pokemon Gen 10. I don't know. Um, next story here comes from Video Games Chronicle as well. Uh, and this was kind of interesting. Uh, sources, uh, Nintendo showed Switch 2 demos at Gamescom. Uh, the company is understood to have had held private tech demos ahead of an expected 2024 launch. Um, and it was running that Matrix Unreal 5 tech demo that was on the PS5 and Xbox Series X in 2021. Uh, and it was also running uh, Breath of the Wild at 60 frames a second. Um, I say that's pretty awesome if they can hit that target. Now, of course, this is like probably a dev kit. It's probably not the exact like final form factor. Um so it's probably just like, hey, this is our target. But what do you think of that? I mean, it, it's difficult for me to really comment too much on, uh, like, like you said, so much of this is going to be up in the air, and who knows what we'll actually see um, once it actually gets its hands uh, or gets into consumer hands. Mm. Uh, 
obviously the expectation is like whatever the Switch successor is going to be is going to be, uh, you know, much more powerful than what came out back in 2016. Um, I, I don't know. For for me, it's one of those things of like we know we're getting to that point of like this whatever it's going to be coming out is like it's more just like proof positive like it, it's going to be around the corner um i i still have you know <laughs> i'm still going to be a curmudgeon about it and want to hold on to my current console i'm like no i like this right now i this this makes me happy don't right. make me spend another four hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> well my but, thing was uh, the thing that got me excited a little bit was the fact that um originally they were saying that they were targeting like ps4 and xbox one graphics and i was like mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm not a total, like, graphics snob, but at the same time, like, being that far behind was kind of, like, a bummer um, for me. Uh, But if they're actually now hitting closer targets to, like, a PS5 or Xbox series, that's a little exciting. Um, I think think the thing that I'm going to really want to see move forward, less on, like, graphical fidelity for, uh, or even, like, you know, hitting frame targets for... Uh, whatever Nintendo's next console is going to be is I just want Nintendo to have the standard of anything else that's online based to have functioning net code. Yes. If, if we can just get like, like rollback support on everything rollback on fucking smash bros would be just phenomenal. Or how about a voice chat? ability built in instead of having to use like a third party app on your phone. Um, uh, well, first of all, Nintendo does not employ sorcerers, so that's not something that's going to happen, but <laughs> I, I appreciate you wanted to bring that to the table. <laughs> yeah. No, no um yeah. There there there's so many things that I'm just like I'm used to just not having with Nintendo's freaking live services that like you know. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know how like I can go back. Uh, I don't know how I can like go from something like Xbox Live, where everything was just like so so well done and just like perfected right out the gate, and then come back to a Nintendo and just like all of a sudden I'm back to living in the cave. Yep. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's just I'm, I'm just so so used to just like having to live without to play to play my fun Pokemon and and Zelda games. So like, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It, that that should be that shouldn't even be like a bare bones ass. That should just be like, why wouldn't that be included? And it's just like the whole like Nintendo side of like, why would it be? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, next story here comes from Eurogamer. Um, Ubisoft's free to play Sure X Defiant was delayed due to console certification issues. Uh, basically, it didn't pass cert. Now. I saw a lot of shitty takes online being like, oh, this must mean the game's not very good. But, I mean, games don't pass cert all the time, and it could be something as simple as, hey, you didn't have, like, an X button prompt in this spot where I think you should have. Um, But uh, at the same time, I don't know how many people are really interested in this game. It's a free-to-play shooter in the year 2023. Um that's supposed to be very Call of Duty-esque. Um, 
It says here, uh, according to this article, uh, at the end of July, we started this process and we got our first results back by mid-August, which was not a pass. We realized then that we had more work related to the compliance uh, than we had anticipated. If it had passed, then we would have been able to ship at the end of August, but it didn't. So we've spent the last three to four weeks fixing those issues and getting ready to do another submission. Um, not too much more to say about that, just that it didn't pass cert and people shouldn't freak out about it because games usually don't pass cert their first time around. Um, this just happened to leak and now people are just like kind of jumping all over it, like, oh my God, look, this Ubisoft free-to-play shooter that's trying to be like Call of Duty didn't pass cert. <laughs> and it's like, dude, if this, if this never had leaked, you would have never known. You would have just seen, hey, this game is delayed and that's it. Um, they did say now that it's likely to come out in October, um, but nothing much more to say about that. Do you have anything to add? No, I don't. I don't want to like come off as uh, being rude or anything. It's just I'm. This is the first I'm hearing of this game now, and I I don't expect that I'm going to be playing it regardless. Like, I'm glad that the the process seems to be working of catching any sort of issues. So like, good on you guys. Like. There's obviously the, the the crowd is out there to playing this. It's just it's not I'm not in it. Yeah. Um. Next one comes from GamesIndustry.biz. Um. Read Pop and ESA part ways over E3. Now, if you remember the last uh, or the last couple of years, Read Pop, who was behind uh, PAX, uh, was partnering with the ESA to kind of help fix E3 and kind of get it back to where it was. Um. And I guess that they're kind of done. Um. And it, it apparently it was a mutual decision. Um, and according to the SA's CEO, uh, we appreciate Repot's partnership over the past 14 months and their support of ongoing efforts to bring the industry and fans together through various events. Um, while the reach of E3 remains unmatched in our industry, yeah, okay, um, we are continuing to explore how we can evolve it to best serve the video game industry and are evaluating every aspect of the event from format to location. We are committed to our role as a conveyor, uh, as a conveyor uh, for the industry, and look forward to sharing news about E3 in the coming months. Uh, I'll let you ta take this first. What do you What do you think? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess from the fact that this was a split after fourteen months, I'm going to assume that this was not the plan. Mm -hmm. uh like this was gonna be the term of business they were gonna be uh working under so it's good to hear that it's at least mutual by whatever business speak that truly comes out to mean um i just feel I this know. is think... kind of like the nail in the coffin once again for e3 um i know we've been saying that a lot um we've now gone like what about two years in a row without an e3 proper mm -hmm. and, uh and that void has been filled by jeff Keeley and summer games fest and the kind of surrounding events uh everybody's putting on their own event you got the gorilla collective which is a smaller indie you know showcase you've got like the what is it like the wholesome game show everybody else is putting on their own thing now um that do we even really need an e3 anymore um which Gee. you know if you would have asked high school chase if you would ever see E3 dying, you'd say, hell no. But now, I mean, after being this deep in and going this long without one, I, and also there was that story like a few years ago about like the ESA leaking everybody, like all the journalists information and stuff like that. So the trust in the ESA is like gone. 
Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you What do you think about the whole prospect of like they're no longer being an E three? I, I think the fact that like not nothing has felt like it's really changed negatively in as far as like games coverage and hype being driven up for new uh, titles and anything with the absence of E three. So I think that's kind of speaking volumes for their future. Um, I don't like to be negative on other people's uh behalf and everything especially with something that like was was a constant all throughout like our you know you know our formative years of like in- engaging with like games media and uh like yeah easier used to be this bit thing that was was so exciting to like hear about like anything special coming out of it and now it's we, we we live in the age of instantaneous uh um information delivery so like why would we put much stock in a once yearly expo that like in its dying years became more and more resistant to um opening itself up to common gamers as opposed to just opening its doors to uh you know, execs and uh, marketing, uh, uh, marketing firm. So, yeah, it's. And we've said it before on the show too. It's like it's just expensive for developers to go out there and rent space. Like, it, it, it. Like, why do that when you could do like, like what Sony and Nintendo has been doing? Do a state of play or do a direct? Like, yeah, and get your information out that way. Um. We're going to cut a couple stories that were kind of small um, and move on to uh, so we can bang these last few out because I'm getting the look from my son and he is oh, losing no. his mind. So we're going to bang these last few out real quick. Um, Horizon Forbidden West uh, Complete Edition has been revealed by Singapore Rating Board. Um, and this comes from Eurogamer. Um, apparently, the Horizon for- Forbidden West is going to be getting a complete edition with the uh, DLC uh, with it. Um, I did not play the next Horizon game. Uh, I still probably need to eventually get around to it. Um, I played the first one and liked it, and I kind of was one of those games where I didn't really want a sequel, but they, and of course, everything now gets sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. What do you What do you think of that? So I don't have much to comment on. I have. I'm in the same boat of I have not played any. Well, I've not played any of uh Horizon series. Um, they look interesting. Um, I just. It just hasn't been on my list, so I've kind of kept myself pretty distant from it. It it's neat that uh, I don't know. It's cool that they are still going to be uh, trying to support with like these package releases. I'm a fan of those. I think they do work well for people that have been gun shy about starting or about getting into series uh, like this. So I I imagine it's going to do well. I don't think it's going to be a real uh. Um, anything too too meteoric though. So, yeah. Um, next story had me really fired up. Uh, we're at the last three stories here, but this one mm-hmm. I, I might rant on this one. Who knows? Um, the this comes from IGN, and the title of this article, in my opinion, is super misleading. Um, mm-hmm. says Square Enix loses nearly two billion dollars in value since Final Fantasy sixteen. 
Um, and now you would think that would mean that, oh, 16 didn't sell well. But if you scroll farther down in the article, um, what it actually says, uh, a new report from Bloomberg painted a bleak picture of Square Enix, which reported a sharp profit decline in August. Analysts told the publication that Final Fantasy 16 failed to make up the poor performance of previous Square flops like Marvel's Avengers and Forspoken. So it tells me that it was those games' fault <laughs> why they lost the money, not Final Fantasy 16. Um, yeah, that. Wh what do you think of that whole the wording of this article? So I think this is just going to kind of get back into um, people are just trying to uh, reignite the drama that was uh, a very, I feel like it was a very vocal minority of people just kind of going after Final Fantasy 16 because it didn't look Final Fantasy enough. Right. Um, I am curious how much of this is still a narrative that is being um uh, sold throughout Square as a company because I think there was a lot of unnecessary, like things I've kind of picked up for, uh, in the uh, um, in chatter is just that it looks like there were a lot of unnecessary expectations put on Final Fantasy uh, Final Fantasy 16 as like a savior of the series after Final Fantasy 15 you know, on launch did not really live up to the expectations it needed to and unfortunately never did get a proper uh, resolution to its story. But, yeah, I don't know. It's... I... I've had a lot of misgivings on the... Um, the corporate plans that Square Enix has shared moving forward and how they want to monetize their titles. Um, these are just the ones that have been, you know, made aware, like, publicly. Uh, the, the doubling down on um, uh, NFTs and other... Um, right. Uh, other blockchain, uh, other blockchain technologies, and trying to implement those in game in their games. Um, I mean, that's I don't know. That that really is the big one of like, guys, just fucking stop. Well, also like Square Enix, we've talked about this before on the show. Square Enix has this habit of a game will be a success and it will still be like it hasn't met our expectations. And it's like, no, well, what that, were you expecting? Like that is that is absolutely they're expecting true. every game to be like to sell like Call of Duty numbers, and I'm sorry. Call of Duty is extremely popular, even if we might not be the biggest fans of it. Uh, you're never going to meet those numbers. Uh, they, they, those. I mean, maybe you will, but I, I don't see it, and you can't keep chasing that dragon. Um, yeah, so to I, speak. I look at the failures of the. I feel like as a company, especially Square Enix marketing, um, they've grown conceited over the years. Um, and they don't really pay attention to who their user base is when um coming out with new projects or new types of uh like what they're trying to actually market. Like, you know, remember back when uh, Final Fantasy thirteen uh launched and there were all these uh all these like crossover events that, or like crossover products that they had with like freaking Gucci or all these other like high end fashion uh um uh, fashion houses and it's just like the typical final fantasy player does not make the, the sort of money right to purchase any of that and even then like 
you look at some of the stuff that comes out for like um uh celebrating like anniversaries in regards to like Final Fantasy Seven and they're like these, you know, four hundred to five hundred dollar watches that first of all most people our age aren't even going to be wearing them except for like as a fashion piece and even then not the typical square enix fan is not making bank to the degree to have you know yeah basically half of half of uh uh smartphones payments where it's just like put on a watch or right right well even looking at looking at like their figure prices i'm sorry they're like ridiculous like no they they, they keep they keep pushing the needle on that one too and it's like yeah there's a lot of like you know i i was really excited and like um for a bit there i was planning on getting the collector's edition of uh final fantasy 16 as well and i eventually had to down like i downgraded down to the uh deluxe edition so it's not like i still didn't pay more than what the price of the game disc was gonna be because i still find that stuff exciting but it's like you know really having to come down and like look at like okay the actual content of what i'm getting um doesn't like i don't physically have the space for this uh a lot of this stuff and also like the price the price to value just isn't properly there. And like, right. I even like I was, I was bummed out for a bit because I, I've talked about, or I alluded to playing um, the star ocean second departure remake um, because the demo went live uh, earlier this week. And I, you know, it, it's been a fun blast for the past. Cause it's one of those games that I only ever got to play through renting from family video. And I never got to beat it as a result of that. So I am excited at the prospect of, you know, not only be able to get to see like how things have changed in the 20 years since I first uh, booted that up on my PlayStation One, but like just just to see how like things have changed, like how the uh, um, how the visuals have been able to be fleshed out and remade, and like it's it's been fun. I've been enjoying like the the single hour I played of Star Ocean so far. Um, it's just been very like nostalgic but i got bummed out because i really wanted to get the collector's edition because i wanted to support it and first of all square site was not exactly super uh um super effective at being able to allow me to pre-order said thing but then i got to looking at like what the actual content of the collector's edition was for a game that they were going to have retail at 50 bucks was two hundred dollars on top of that and it was a a bunch of acrylic stands to the characters like yeah that sort of thing's cool but like what am i gonna do with it right there was the four disc like um the four disc like soundtrack for the entire game which like in an asterisk on the actual like order page for the collector's edition was going to be sold separately at a separate at a uh later date anyways and then after that it was a like 40 page art book and it's like that's not $200. Yeah. And um, they keep I just feel like that is the the mark the benchmark that they set for themselves and they just keep pushing it. The when people like say it's like the Apple tax like with iPhone and stuff it's very much like the Square Enix tax. Yes. Like it's the same thing. Um and my I, my other small takeaway before we move on to these last two stories is just that I've I've never been the biggest fan of IGN. If I'm being completely honest, um, and that article was just super clickbaity. 
let's just oh yeah real. sorry we, we're not even let me get back to the uh yeah it, it was a very shitty article but that's what it ultimately comes down to at the end of the day is um it it's just more trying to get people to read just based on uh um pre-existing like sour feelings over final fantasy 16 that are fully unfounded because if you were not to click into that article and read you would fully expect like oh this must mean 16 isn't doing well yeah no it didn't make up the cost of two other games that didn't do well like that's what it came down to and that's not uh uh that's not uh create a business unit three's fault that those two went on or didn't actually perform well it was Honestly, for Forspoken, I think it suffered a lot from just very poor marketing on Square mm-hmm. Enix's side. And for Marvel, I think they just, I think they just released a bad game. Yeah, it wasn't that great of a game. Um, yeah, so bad all the way around. Um, last two stories here, and we'll just touch on this one super super short. Um, Mario Kart Tour, uh, which is the mobile game, is uh, not getting any new updates after October fourth. Um, so okay. if you play that game, um, get all your playing in now because they're going to stop supporting after October 4th. And then the last one is just a really small one that we can kind of talk about a little bit. Uh, Steam turned 20 this week, um, okay. which is pretty crazy. Uh, it launched uh, September 12th in 2003, uh, and it actually launched to like a lot of people hating it at first. Uh, but now, I mean, can we really imagine a world without Steam? Um, uh, you even have other services like, you know, Epic has their own launcher, um, kind of like it's one big competitor, but I mean, it's really nice to have like all your PC games in pretty much one place now. Um, and it didn't used to be that way. Um, what do you think about, you know, Steam chugging along and making it this far? I mean, they're, I don't know what, Steam's just so like monolithic at this point it's like google it's it's like the itunes of games like yeah truly and the bigger thing that uh sticks out to me i was like oh so what it's been like 20 years since uh half-life 2 then okay cool (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) right because i i truly believe that uh um the success of steam killed half-life 3 yeah it probably did there's there's no reason to release it Nope. Why would anyone? They don't have to. Why why would anyone put put themselves in that position? No, no. Um, but yeah, that's all I have this week for the podcast. Um, you can uh find us. Uh, you follow us on social media. You can follow us uh on Twitter and on YouTube at underscore blackboxsignal. Follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash blackboxsignal. Um, you can also email us at uh, blackboxsignal at gmail.com. Um, and we are pretty much everywhere now. We even have a TikTok. Uh, I haven't posted anything on that in a while, but hey, it's there. Um, Spotify, everywhere else that you listen to us on. Um, you can follow me at uh, chasing underscore chase on Twitter, uh, chasing chase TV on Twitch. Uh, I'm also on blue sky at chasing chase. Um, and yeah, do, do you have anything you want to plug? Zach? Uh, no, just uh, keep on being cool to each other. <laughs> keep on keeping on. All right. Very, very wise words from our wise sage here. Um, but man, it was fun having you on. We're, we're definitely oh, yeah, have no, to do this. Fun. We're going to have to do this again sometime. 
for sure. Oh, yeah, no. Keep me in the loop. This is, this is a good time. All right, guys. Well, until next week, as always, stay safe, comrades. <laughs>